What is up, FBI fam? We are back online. We have a huge episode today. We finally detained RJ, aka Bear Grylls. So we talked a lot about his pursuits of his new record label, his rebrand recently, and some other huge secrets that he let us in on. So we're very excited to share this episode with you. A few quick reminders, everyone. We're doing a huge meetup at Lost Lands. Check our Instagram for the details. Um, We also have a few more shirts left in stock. So if you didn't snag your Got Dubstep shirt or your Open This Pit Up Yet shirt, um, we have a few left for y'all and you can just order those on dubstepfbi.com. And if you have any suggestions on who we would interview next on the pod, feel free to send us an email at exec at dubstepfbi.com. Yep. And if you have any tracks that you want to submit to our Dubs Up Slappers playlist or our Melodic Investigations playlist, we also have a form on the dubstepfbi.com website. Just go to contact and there's two forms. You'll want to go to the playlist submission form. So just let us know what track you have and what it's all about and which playlist you'd like to submit it to. And we'll, we'll send it over to our playlist curators for potential placement. Yeah, it's the hot playlist that everyone wants to get put in nowadays. Hmm. I mean, we have an awesome team behind it running it, so wouldn't be where it is without them. Yeah, and be sure to check out our Melodic Investigations playlist as well. It's updated every Monday by our staff editor, Balix. how are you it's so good Good. to have you on the show thank you how's it going where are you tuning in from i see the studio i see the speakers i'm in in california right now in my house in california sweet are you near the la area kind of um i like to be away from la as much as i shouldn't say that i i grew up in i grew up in long beach which is like 30 miles south of la Mm -hmm. and right now i'm kind of in the hills like maybe an hour outside of la um, kind of almost in the sticks like it's it's pretty pretty out there but I like it okay cool. yeah I'm <laughs> from San Diego originally but I tried to avoid LA at all costs yeah I went Still to UCSD do. I actually went to UCSD for college oh no way hell yeah yep. what'd you go there for I have a law degree actually <laughs> wow okay there's the first secret of the interview <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah Bear grills law well, right. <laughs> yeah, pre- girls pre- JD pre-law. I'm not actually like I don't have a JD actually, but um, I, I wanted to be a lawyer. What What did you want to pursue within that field? I wanted to do business law because I've always been like a big business. I wanted to start businesses and run businesses mm-hmm. and do all that stuff. And then um, I graduated from college and I was studying for my LSAT to go to law school. And my parents were like, you have to get a job. If you're moving home after college, like you have to pay us and get a job. So instead of becoming a server or doing any of the, you know, random jobs that you do at that age, I started uh, organizing like clubs. I was a promoter. I became a promoter. I was the, I was the first uh, promoter, concert organizer, whatever to do like 
um, EDM shows on the West coast and like eight different markets from like, I, I was the first one to do Eugene, Oregon, where, uh, Oregon is, uh, Chico, like Santa mm-hmm. Barbara, a bunch of, a bunch of little college towns. I was the first guy to come in and do electronic music shows, which is kind of funny. Was it like trance music, big room? Um, it was everything. Like I, like, um, I don't know how long you guys have been in the scene, but Steve Aoki did a tour with Datsik and Datsik was the direct mm-hmm. support. It was called the dead meat tour. Okay. And uh, dirty phonics was their, um, like the opener. So this is probably Gosh. like 2012. Okay. And yeah. So what I did was I like basically bought the whole tour on the West coast. So I did, you know, eight shows and I would just travel with the DJs all the way up and, and Steve and I became kind of good friends because I used to book him before he was like, you know, Steve Aoki, the big, what yeah. he is now. The cake meister. So, so he kind of, <laughs> he's kind of the one that got me into electronic music. I, 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 t- I say this every interview, but um, he's kind of the reason why I am where I am. Wow. So were you like essentially becoming their tour manager for the West coast or like, no, I was just the promoter. So I would, I would buy, like book the shows. I would find the venues for all the markets and then promote the show. And Mm -hmm. so I used to run a venue in long beach. Uh, that was, it it was huge. It was like 2000 people every single Thursday. And it was just like a local DJ college night. And then I had the idea, I was like, well, you know, EDM is getting kind of big. This was in like 2012, it's so long ago. Yeah, the big room days, like I said. Mm -hmm. And so I would book Steve Aoki for like $500. And we would sell out and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I started booking more DJs and, you know, talent. Because back then you didn't really need to have talent to, uh throw a club night or like a concert night mm-hmm. I was just like college night you know five dollars yeah. everyone would show up <laughs> right now, like, drinks. <laughs> now now you have to have so much um you know uh, you can have the biggest DJs in the world and still be competing with other venues and having the biggest like my Denver show for example mm-hmm. so rough really you thought it was rough well I mean it, it ended up being good but like the the competition that week was just insane. Mm-hmm. Like we had mm-hmm. global dub, we had global dub the weekend before, which is a huge, obviously yeah. for Denver, you know, then we had slander at Red Rocks on Tuesday. Oh yeah. That week that was, was a rough stacked. week. Then we had seven, <laughs> seven lions on Wednesday, or yeah, Wednesday at Red Rocks. And then we had um, DJ Snake the night before my show. Mm-hmm. At Mission. Oh my gosh. And then the yeah. night of we had William Black at um why can't i think of the name of Ogden? the venue was he at the Ogden? no it's like uh, bluebird bluebird Blue yeah he was at bluebird so it was like that one sold out so that's like 600 tickets so you have to think mm-hmm. that if will doesn't throw that show a lot of those kids are you know looking for something to do they're going to come to mission because i would have been the only other show so yeah. it, we still did really well like everybody was happy but it didn't sell out so I, you know i'm not happy right. but but um, everyone else was happy. So at the end of the day, it's it's good. But, you know, for me, it's like, ah, why did I have to have eight different shows that week? It sucks. That was rough because I think Chrissy and I pretty much went to all those shows that we just named off. Yeah, we went to Global Dance, mm-hmm. then Slander, Seven Lions, uh, DJ Snake, and then yeah. your show. <laughs> and I almost did not make it to your show. <laughs> I was yeah, so and, close and- to not making it because I was just, I was a zombie. <laughs> Well, and my lady brought up a good point because my lady, uh, she was a like server at a restaurant for years 
And she said most of the servers, if there's a show on a weekday, they're going to go to the show on the weekday because prime money serving is on the Friday and Saturday nights. So all the the restaurant industry probably went to the Tuesday, Wednesday shows because they're off or they're not working because it's a slow night. And then for my show, they're like, no, we're going to work because we make the most money that night. So I was like, ugh, everything was against me. Yeah, that was still an incredible show, though. How yeah, long? How long did it take you to plan that? Like, when was the idea first born to play at Michigan? Well, well, it was. So after, it basically already had the offer in after my Red Rocks headline. So that was that... May, May 2019. Oh my yeah. gosh. So, so we, like two years in the making. Yeah, well, the way COVID. that, well, yeah, well, the, the way AEG works is that um, they usually send me an offer for a show like a year in advance. Okay. So originally the show was April of 2009, 20, two, I'm yeah, April of 2020. So it was April 4th. And then we went into lockdown on the like 18th of March. Yeah. So I was like two weeks away from actually having the show. And then it got pushed back to, I think it, we, we try to do July. Then it got pushed back to, I mean, it got pushed back like four times. Mm-hmm. So Did tickets I, go on sale already when you kept pushing yes. it back? Oh my yes. gosh. So the thing that really sucked was that the, I guess Mission Ballroom, like because they they book shows so far in advance, they were like, okay, well, we have July 31st or you have to wait till 2022. So I was like, okay, well, fuck, let's just do it, right? <laughs> send like, it, yeah. Full let's send. go. And then I didn't realize because all the shows were opening back up, like everybody's in a mad scramble to get a show. So then, then slandered booked theirs I was like all right it's not that bad and then seven lines booked theirs like fuck and then yeah and then my agent calls me he's like yo we're gonna do will the same night don't worry about it. it's gonna be okay I'm like no dude like oh, so it was, Jesus. It, it's fine yeah I know um when Matt played at Temple it was him and Bainbridge that night Blunts and Blondes was playing and then I think there was another show somewhere else so like it's not uncommon to get triple booked here in Denver well Denver's always I say the worst, but as a fan, I say the best, right? Yeah, it's because like a thriving. You always, have, you always have options, but whenever I play there, it's like eight different things going on. I'm just like, no, I want everyone to come to my show. Right. So much competition out there. <laughs> yep. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like that a lot of places like LA or, but you, you know, you would never think Denver because Denver technically is not a big market but for bass music it's like the best market the biggest market mm-hmm. we so. like to hold a crown and say that it's the ultimate bass capital but others like to say otherwise that it's montreal <laughs> or we've heard florida now too is a bass capital like orlando man i'm so biased because i've lived in denver the last six years but i would if if i would were to give my top five in no particular order for anyone else who's watching that in, <laughs> in Montreal or Seattle goes really hard. Seattle is awesome. Um, Montreal goes really Montreal. Um, it's a different kind of hard though, but then like Paris, Montreal, which I almost say it's the same city because most of the people, they go back and forth. Um, yeah. And like Dallas goes really hard. I feel like whenever I play in Dallas, Florida, yeah, Tampa. I think Florida, Orlando, Tampa. I mean, there. What I tell people is honestly, there's just good base markets everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I think it's growing more and more every day, but I mean, we were talking about this earlier. I don't know how much longer dubstep is going to stay in its current form. Like, I feel like it's adapting more and more every day into these new, like maybe industrial dubstep or like speed dubstep or like all sorts of subgenres, And it's just transforming so quickly. I don't know if it will be the same as it is now in a year. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that because I listen to music that's like a year old or even two years old. I'm just like, what, what is this? And it's like, dubstep it's weird mm-hmm. but yeah I think I think a lot of different subgenres are gonna keep coming out I'm I'm, I'm watching this um, Twitter conversation with Jesse with subtronics and and they're naming something called look bass and I was like look bass <laughs> yeah. it's like that's a new term I was like ah, oh, you have to keep up with all of them honestly right that totally sounds like something Jesse would be doing right and it's like look bass that makes sense though that actually kind of like that makes that sounds right yeah and the nicer term for that is experimental base yeah I would say that's the more formal term yeah yeah well see and like you you look at people like liquid stranger like Martin who I've known oh gosh for you know a decade now and I feel like he was like support he was he supported excision on his tour then I feel like he was kind of quiet for a little while and then all of a sudden you just hear about Wakan and it's just like Wakan is like huge right Mm -hmm. and that whole that whole movement this whole Wakan movement I feel like stem obviously from dubstep but it's like that wasn't around two years ago and now it's like you have huge huge artists and Wakan is like fucking awesome like yeah their whole team is killing it like shout out to Chloe and Kaylin behind the scenes. We work with them a little bit on articles. You know, they'll kind of be like, hey, Buku's putting a song out this week. Do you want to cover it? Things like that. But they are on top of it. I'm always seeing something new from them. And yeah. they've built this community around it where people, they hold it so close to their hearts. It's like really admirable how passionate the fan base is. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I've known Nate and Loper and the, the guys who partner with Martin to start it for years. And they're awesome. Um, they're 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 really good. So, and that's that's the thing. Like I've I've hit up a lot of people like that as like for advice for rude service because a lot of things went into me creating rude service. I don't I won't really like talk about it because I I, I try to um, not talk about negative things. Oh, yeah. But a lot of things like kind of transpire for me to say, hey, I want to be in control of my own releases and, and my music. So I, I went to like Harrison at Dead Beats and um, who runs Dead Beats with the Zed's Dead Boys. And I was like, hey, like, you know, what, what did it take? And, and they all said the same thing. And I was like, yeah, we, you know, we, we did it for a year. Nobody cared. And then year two, it just all of a sudden just like took off and everybody cared and everybody wants, you know, he's like, at the beginning, nobody wanted to release with us. And then two years later, it was like, Grizz wants to release with us. But I mean, you name a name and they want to release with, with, with either Wakan or Deadbeat. So I kind of took that. I was like, all right, well, for me, I want to, I, I really wanted to sort of focus on the artists who I, I believe are like the next wave of artists coming in because I've been around, I hate to, I even hate to admit this, but I've, I've been touring for nine years. And okay. That's, that's awesome though. That means you're wise. Lot, yeah. And you could but, be a great mentor. Cause I know that you're a mentor for some of our good friends, like Michael Stryer, and you provide a lot of good advice and you have all this experience that, that everyone is just like, 
itching to get to know and learn I, more but it, it's so weird to me though to be that guy who you know people come to I, like I truly am a dubstep dad in that <laughs> sense dad. because like I was there you know like I was there once and and thankfully I had really good mentors myself like I was on the excision tour mm-hmm. on his first tour and well not his first but the first big big tour um, the paradox tour 2016 oh yeah um, I so I, I was on that tour and I got to learn from Jeff like everything Jeff you know he's just like straight focused laser focused businessman mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna say the I hate to say it because I, the the artist tour I was on before was that sick mm-hmm. and I know it's like you know a lot of controversy with with his name right now but that was the most craziest tour I've ever been on. Like it was just like a party nonstop. And I'm, I'm literally sleeping in the green rooms until the bus leaves because I, I'm just like, it's just too much for me. And then I go to, then I go to Jeff's tour and it's like four people on the bus. That's it. No partying. Like mm-hmm. I, I get done playing my show. I go straight to bed. It was, it was like just a whole different world. Right. More of but, like an actual job situation. Yeah. And so you when you know, you take those experiences and you sort of, you, you learn and grow from them. So it's like, I could go this way and party, like, you know, and party myself out of a career, mm-hmm. or I can become a businessman, which we just talked about. I was like, that's what I wanted to do in life, become a businessman and go this way and like have longevity. So that was, you know, that was a plan. Um, I started into the AM. I don't know if you guys know the brand, but it's a clothing company and you, you can't, you can't miss it at, at shows. Um, check it out. It's called into the AM. So I started that in like 2010 and sold it right before bear grills, but it's like an okay. EDM clothing. You'll, you'll honestly, when you see it, you'll be like, Oh, I've seen that at shows all the time because that logo is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I've seen that. So, so that's I, so cool. So you have multiple businesses then, or at least you, you had, a business, I did. Yeah. So I sold it. A new one. I sold it before. Uh, bear girls like started to get big just because I knew I wouldn't have time Mm -hmm. have you always had that entrepreneurial itch I mean it sounds like it since you started in promotion then you became an artist and all that other stuff yeah it's yeah it's crazy to think about like we were talking about it's like I'm almost a decade in from touring and I don't feel old and I don't you know I don't I don't know it's hard to explain when you're you've been in it for so long it's like gosh this whole like COVID break has really given me a chance to sort of reflect on the things that I've done in life and like where I've gone and what shows I've played. And because what, when I'm in it, I think, I think 2018, I was home for a total of like 31 days. That's taking such a toll on your mental health. Wow. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I flew over 300,000 miles that year, I think. Oh my gosh. I have chills. Yeah. Right. Backing up two- those points, I guess. Right. <laughs> in 2019, I went to China eight, I want to say eight times. What, what were you doing in China? playing shows I would That's literally girls yeah yeah I would literally go for a weekend play two shows and fly right back into the states and play what? wow I can't yeah, even imagine insane. going to a foreign country for just two days at least one that far away yeah especially China because it takes like 28 hours to get there yeah because it's yeah it takes forever to fly there and then the layovers and the, the, don't you need yeah, like the, some special visa change. to get into China yeah I have a 10-year visa for China oh, wow so I, I've been there like 20 times and before COVID, it was nuts. I actually played in Wuhan in October of ni- 2019. Oh my gosh, I bet you were bugging when the news broke. No, because, no, well, the thing is, is my lady and I got, so a- Ashley, my girlfriend, she traveled with me full-time for the last five years. And uh, we got really sick. 
in January, I want to say. So I didn't get as like, she, like it since obviously we look back now that COVID has been around, she definitely had it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a weird cough, but it didn't really affect me that much. And that was it. So she definitely had it. And I, I like to joke with her, like she was a super spreader because we were literally in Wuhan in October before, like, cause you know, COVID started happening, they say in the States in like November, December, January. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you are the super spreader in the States. The like COVID. patient one or patient Seriously. <laughs> oh my gosh. But they would have never known because they started detecting the COVID, <laughs> like the COVID patients when they started testing. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, <laughs> when, when, when COVID hit and they're like, I kept hearing Wuhan. I was like, I know I've heard that before. Right. Yeah. So when I went back and looked, I was like, I freaking played there. So wow. Much. So there's a market for EDM in Wuhan, China. Oh, there's okay. a market. Yeah. Oh. You got to tell us how was it Ch- anyway? China. I can't talk bad about China because they're probably going to be watching this. And if you talk bad about China, they will ban your ass. Dubs up FBI loves China. No, we stand for China. <laughs> No, honestly, so I'm, I was like an average, you know, normal American, you know, Hong Kong, you know, Beijing and, you know, Shanghai, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And we know New York, New York is our biggest city in the, in the United States, right? Yeah. China has 19 cities that are bigger than New York city. What? God damn brother. What in tarnation? Like I would go to a city and it would have 30 million people and New York eight and a half million so just to put it in perspective it has like almost four times more of the people and these are cities you've never heard of in your life like Chongqing, china is a real place that has 32 million people and i don't know if you've ever been have you guys been in new york city before yes i mean you see how there's just literally like buildings on buildings in new Mm -hmm. york i mean multiply that by like a hundred and that's freaking china in every city it's insane so of course there's going to be a market for EDM there. There's 30 million people. Yeah, and it and the thing is is it sells out every single night. They every club is open 7 nights a week and it sells out every single night because think about it, there's 30 million people in a city. They can't you all those people can't go to one particular show. They have to essentially spread it out over the week. It's fucking crazy. It's madness. Oh my gosh. Did you Damn. do any touring in Southeast Asia? Yeah, I've played Vietnam. Um, I've played in Myanmar. I've played in Thailand. I've played in Bali. Um, I've played everywhere. Did you play at the Omnia Club? In no, Bali? I, I I did a lot. I did a um, a nightclub there called Sky Garden. So it's, Sky it was Garden. like one of the top one hundred, you know, on the DJ Mag top one hundred nightclubs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't I think I ever that. went there. I did a. a I'll break down this funny story for you real quick. I'll try to make it quick. So I played a show in um, the Mongolian desert. Okay. Wow. So, Mongolia. First of all, that's Mongolia, incredible. right? Okay. So my agent hits me up and he's like, Hey, so I know we're already going to China. Cause I literally, I was in China like 10 times in 2019. Yeah. So he's like, Hey, so we, you know, we have a show in Shanghai. Um, I got this festival for you in Mongolia. I'm like, okay. Like, Mongolia like how would they know what EDM is or you know any dub sets but no the promoter he's 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 good we're good so I have to take a flight from basically Denver to LA to Shanghai then 
four more hours from Shanghai into the desert. And then we have to get in a car and we have to drive four more hours into the desert. So it comes out, comes out that this festival that I'm playing is the largest off-roading race in the world. So, so think of Burning Man, but think of a million people in the desert like Burning Man. Oh my like, god! It was, like when I tell people this story, it's hard for me to like actually articulate how fucking crazy this thing was because it was like they took like Denver, the city of Denver with all the you know buildings and stores and electricity and shit and moved it into the middle of the desert and had a million people just fucking chilling. And the crazy thing is, is like, they didn't set tents up. They were just like Chinese families of four, like whatever, sleeping in their car, like a Honda Civic. They would literally just sleep in their car for two weeks and then wake up and then go walk around the city. Two weeks? Wow. Yeah, it was like a two week long, like off-road. Damn. Mm-hmm. Like it's Black like, Rock City, but 20 times bigger. Yeah, so it was, it was like... Um, so I get there and I'm like, I'm not going to fucking know anybody, right? And fuck, of course, Val, Virtual Riot is there. What? Like, randomly. I'm like, what the fuck, Val? Like, how did I not know you're playing this show? Or like, how did we not like communicate that we were going to literally play a show together, right? And so I was, I, we, it was all like other Chinese artists, but it was like literally me and Val just, just fucking chilling. It was like, oh, I can't think of the name of the, Mad. you, you guys know the, the movie Mad Max? Mm-hmm. yeah so it was like that they had these like the most insane off-road here i want to sh- like what in the world i have a mongolia picture. is not a place you think of for a no, festival at all here so i don't know if you can see this but so do you see these cars yeah mm-hmm. like it was like some straight up batman shit that they let me drive wow you got to drive Holy that shit, dude. like it was insane and i was just like literally <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and so my, I have my little translator people that sort of stay with it. A translator? Of, I love it. Yeah, because if, if I get lost, I'm dead, right? Not one, there was not one, Amer- I, I can't even say American, like white person not or non-Chinese person. Exactly. So, so, and Ashley, my lady, she's, you know, like blonde hair, blue eyes. Like if she gets lost, we're fucked. Yeah. So there's no service, of course. And my translator is like, oh, I'm going to go find our car because it was like a literal shit show. I mean, there's just cars for miles, no service. So the guy's like, stay right here. Cause if you move, I'm going to not find you until the morning. I'm just like, what the fuck? So he's gone for like an hour and I'm freaking out. And we're just like literally sitting in this fucking corner. And he finally, we finally found us and like bounce, but it was like, craziest shit like i tell that story is like one of the coolest and craziest stories of my whole dj career by far of your life probably and the craziest thing about it is like if if i were a like chinese speaking person it would have been the coolest experience ever but because it happens in china and mongolia like the western world will never know about it and like the cars and the racing and the, so they have like a hip hop stage and EDM stage. Uh, like it was just, I mean, it, it was like, like I said, it was like Burning Man times a hundred. It was fucking cool. I wish I had more pictures, Damn. but I was, we were, I was so tired. I like took the picture in the car, drove and then played the show and bounced. 
The guy said while I was playing, they spent over $250,000 on fireworks above my stage. Just for your set? Like it was, it was like a legit main stage at EDC Vegas. Like that's how they put so much money. The thing about China is like, they spend so much money on everything there. It's crazy. I heard that they go all out on shows there and like that the crowds are crazy. Yo, I get off the plane and there's like, a hundred or two hundred kids waiting for me with bear girl signs at the airport. What <laughs> is that? The most people that have ever like mobbed you for that? Oh yeah, well, like airport? you know, in the states, nobody even knows. Like you, you know, I can walk my own shows almost, and people yeah. don't don't even know. But in China, so yeah, it's just crazy. And then they'll pay kids to be out front of the venue when you arrive, mm-hmm. and they hype give them up. all these like crazy signs and like teddy bears and all this shit, and they hype you up. It's crazy. So I have to ask, like, when you were doing all these China runs and Southeast Asia runs, like, what agency were you on? Who was doing all your bookings? How did that get handled? So I, I've been with uh, Circle Talent Agency, Max Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So going far, far back. So Max Freeman is one of my, like, he's like my brother. You guys know yeah, Max, of course. Of course. Yeah. So he's like my brother. Like, he was one of my best friends before he was an agent and before I was Bear Grylls. So when I was running my concerts into the AM, um, uh-huh. he was a promoter also because he's from Manhattan Beach, California. So mm-hmm. he was running concerts. So we got together and I started managing a couple artists and he became our like agent, so to speak. And he put together, I want to say it was like 2014 maybe even like 2000, it was a while, actually probably long. Anyway, sorry. So he put together into the AM nationwide tour. And because of that, Steve Gordon, who owned circle circle now it's -hmm. it's UTA now, of course, but Mm -hmm. he saw what Max did and invited Max to become an agent on circle talent agency. So when I came out with Bear Grylls, Steve Gordon hit me up. and was like, yo, we want to sign you. And they wanted to give me to a different agent at first. And I was like, no, no, if I'm, if I'm going to have my project be with you guys, I want Max because mm-hmm. he's like, he's been my best friend since like, you know, 2008 or whatever. So he's still my agent today. Wow. I know That's a amazing. lot of people like in the industry, they look at you, they look at Max and Steven, they think that you guys are like these larger than life figureheads, but it sounds like you really did just build that from ground zero, like every day, one little thing. So it's funny because whenever I play like a big show and Max is there, like I headline Red Rocks, he looks at me and I look at him and we look back on this tour that we did in 2008, where there were eight of us, right? Count eight people. And we drove around the country in a fucking minivan (laughs) and shared one bed, one hotel room for like, for like three months. So what we literally had to do was we would take the mattresses off the bed and put them on the floor. So two people could have a, a bed on the floor and then two people would sleep on the fucking box spring with like a blanket under it. That's the trick right there. Like straight up, like that's what we went through. And anytime we're together and we have a big show, we laugh at each other because it's like, who would have ever thought from what we were doing back then as a local, you know, I was a local Long Beach kid to doing, you know, playing festivals in Mongolia. Wow. That is so inspiring, to be honest. It's crazy. Yeah. To look back at it like that. 
Well, and then, and you know, it's, it's funny because uh, Trevor said the sky just headlined Red Rocks last, yeah. last week. And that's a Max as well, right? Mm-hmm. So Max found Trevor when he was just a local Denver kid, like no, no following anywhere else. And um, my first show ever in Denver was at Cervantes. Mm, gotta love Cervantes. And I was the direct support for Terra Vida. Oh, John, John and- no yeah. The other one, Chris. 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 Yeah. And the opener opener was a little known act called Said the Sky. Oh my gosh, full circle. Wow. <laughs> and so Max and I, like literally, we talked about it and we're like, can you fucking believe that Trevor and I were on a tour supporting Terra Vida? And now like I've headlined Red Rocks, he's headlined Red Rocks. Like he's literally, you know, the next, mm-hmm. I mean, if he's not already huge you know and it's like Mm -hmm. you like max you are responsible for that like you brought us up and now look at us it's it's just it blows my mind to think about that i have to ask though i'm sure you've had shows where only like 20 people have showed up early on in your career or no one yeah or no one like i know um my boyfriend and a few of his friends like they go on these tour stops and sometimes there's only like 20 or 50 people there and it's hard not to get discouraged like what advice do you have for artists that size who are just trying so hard to break through into the next level i i I don't know who oh you know what it might have been uh rated r i don't know if you guys know rated Mm -hmm. r frankie frankie (laughs) so i was actually having a conversation with him because he that i think that happened to him recently and I said, honestly, man, play your heart out every show, no matter what, because those 20 people might leave your show and say, fuck, he was the coolest DJ I've ever seen. And those 20 people tell 20 people and then that becomes 40 and those 40 people, you know, it's all like word of mouth in our business. It's like when, when someone goes to a show, the first thing you do when you go home, you want to tell your friends like, dude's you know, mm-hmm. said the sky was so cool. You have to come with me next time. But if you go up there and you're discouraged and there's only 20 people and you're just going through the motion, then all 20 of those people might leave being like, fuck that guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, like so he was, or like, he wasn't that cool. And why would I be excited? And like, for me, it's like, if I went to a show and some dude was up there giving his heart out, like you have to respect that. Mm-hmm. And, Especially but, if there's no one around cheering you on. Yeah. And the thing is, is the, the, the the hardest advice that I'll give is that that'll whether there's 20 people or 20,000 people, it's always going to be difficult Mm -hmm. because like, for example, I'll I'll just give you sort of my like linear um, growth in Denver. So like I played Cervantes as the direct support, my very next show, I headlined beta Mm -hmm. and I was one of only two artists that year. I think it was like 2017 or 18, maybe 17. I was one of two artists that year to, to come to fully sell beta out, like before the doors open myself and jaws. And like, I was a Denver local. So it was like, you know, I expected that of like, if we didn't do that, I would have been disappointed. So then I got to headline, um, parade of lasers at, it was, it used to be called, um, city halls, city hall, but now it's called temple, obviously. Mm -hmm. So after that, AEG said, look, we want, we want to bring you to the Ogden now. And at that point in my career, like the Ogden was like, holy fuck, only the biggest of the biggest play there. And so there's all this pressure that builds up because, you know, after that first show, like I started headlining these shows and 
when I, when I thought of the Ogden, I just thought like that was one of the most unattainable venues that could ever happen to me. Right. Cause it's like, when you come from Cervantes being a direct support, you don't, you don't even, you think the Ogden is so far away. So I got the Ogden show and I was just like, Oh my God, sold it out. So AG said, okay, well now we want to do two Ogdens. We want you to play Friday and Saturday night. Ooh, the back to back. So I sold those out. Then that's why they gave me the headline red rocks. And so it's like, no matter if there's 20 people, 2000, 20,000, you're always going to want to sort of keep growing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell people. It's like you, I, I, I give them that story of Denver because it's been five years, almost six years for me in Denver of sort of growth. And, and I just feel like a lot of people, they'll see an artist, they'll take an artist, like, you know, maybe some, someone goes to the said the sky at Red Rocks and says, God, he blew up overnight mm-hmm. because you see him at that point, but you haven't seen him at the point where he was literally opening Cervantes at 10 o'clock six years ago, because you've only become aware of him there. So at that point, it's like, you always have to be thinking further ahead. Like, yes, you might've played a show for only 20 people, but the next time you come back to that particular city, you're going to have released another EP or a remix or a single or done something to actually get more people to engage in your music. So they're going to want to come to that next show and there might be only a hundred people at the next show. And then you have mm-hmm. to figure out what to do to get 200 and then 500 yeah. and a thousand. And so it's hard because a lot of people think that, Oh, well, you know, my music got a million plays on SoundCloud or Spotify, but that's free. Mm-hmm. Like I can go on and listen to any artist I want for free. Essentially. You don't have to drive anywhere. Or and you don't have to pay $20 or $40. So you have to figure out what's going to make, someone who doesn't have a lot of money spend money their hard-earned money to see you mm-hmm. like so what's in that, it for them yeah so that you have to stand out you can't just do what everybody else does and that's why like for me i'll i'll be the first to tell you i think this whole bear persona got me to where i was because if i would have mm. just been a normal guy i don't think i would be where i was because i sort of had a had a like edge something different to make kids be like holy cow I went and I was like fucked up and I saw a bear DJing yeah it's that distinguishing factor like what makes you real relevant and rare your brand definitely and for me like I I decided early on that I would be the guy who like I for the last I guess almost decade now respond to everybody on Twitter and I, I was the guy I was the first person who at every show I would say, go to the merch booth and I'll be there and I will talk to you. And I've, I've spread that. Like I've made so many other, of the, the DJs who have been on my tours, like I've teach them that it's not about just going to a show, showing up, staying backstage and going on stage and then playing and then leaving. Like you need to do more to engage with people. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm like, when I go into a city now, I feel like the majority of people don't even say, I'm going to see Bear Girls. They say, I'm going to go see RJ. Mm-hmm. Because I've heard I've that had, from a few people. Because I've had mm-hmm. conversations with so many of these people throughout every um, city because they know where to find me. They know I'm at the merch booth and they can come talk to me like I'm a regular person because I am a regular person. I'm not a person who like thinks I'm on a pedestal or like, you know, whatever. I'm just a normal dude, lucky enough to, to do what I do for a living. And I think, you know, that resonates. I, I don't, 
especially in the dubstep world, because I feel like we're all just, you know, we're just normal people. We're just trying to have fun and make our way through life. Yeah. yeah and just do what you love for a full time for a living, you know, yep. so that for it doesn't sure. feel like, so that it doesn't have to feel like work. I, I have a lot of respect for artists like you who make the time and make the effort to actually interact with their artists because there are times where, you know, Chrissy and I will go out to shows and we want to talk to some artists and just say hi, introduce ourselves, you know, we're the filthy beat inspectors, we're Dubs FBI, you know, like let's collab yeah. or like keep up the good work. And sometimes they just kind of give you the cold shoulder and they just think they're all that, like, I don't have time for you, you know, and it's those artists I feel like they're not really going to make it that far I'm not going to call out anyone but yeah I mean two things on that point it's not about what you said it's about how you made them feel I'm Mm -hmm. a huge believer in that and number two I mean shout out to Subtronic shout out to Jesse because he's done that every show that I've been to of his he's waited until the very very end even if it's been an hour long line after the show of people waiting to greet him and just like give him a hug and take pictures and I, that really stands out to me is that he's, he's this huge artist now, but every time I've seen him, he's been willing to talk to every single person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, for me, I, I treat everybody the exact same. Like I roll into a venue. The first person I'm, I'm talking to and thanking is a promoter. And that's why I tell all these young DJs, like even, even Matt, I'm like, dude, when you get Mm -hmm. to a venue, go straight to the promoter and thank him because he's literally paying your salary and he's putting up a risk because he doesn't know if he's going to make money on the show. He's believing in you and himself to actually sell tickets for him to make money. So for me, I just feel like there's such a lost, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like it's such a lost opportunity for artists who just show up, go to, go to the green room and then play and then bounce. Like for me, I'm like, Hey, thank you. Like, I hope you make money. I want to come back. Let's, let's build together. Mm-hmm let's have them have some longevity. And then I go to the security guards and I say, thank you. Like, thank you for doing what you do. I know it's not easy because there's a, there's a, you know, a entire crowd's worth of fucked up people who probably hate you and don't respect you because you're a security guard. And they say, well, you, you, you know, you threw out my best friend, like, fuck mm-hmm. you. And I see that all the time. Like almost every big show I play, I get a tweet from somebody who got kicked out saying, fuck the security guards. And it sucks because that they're doing their job. Like if somebody's becoming unruly and unsafe for the crowd, you know, they're going to get thrown out. So for me, like I go straight to the security guard and say, thank you guys. Like, I, I appreciate, you know, your, your, your unsung heroes in this industry because we can't have order without you guys. Like I, I've been on stage, a, you know, a million times when I have people come up and run up to me. And that's, it's scary because you don't know what, their intentions are because I'm literally focused on what I have to do Your as job. my job mm-hmm. and then I see someone running up behind me trying to I don't know what they're trying to do so it's mm-hmm. it's just you know it's to me it's just being a human being like I I treat everybody like a human being that's mm-hmm. but then but then I get so many people who say no you're the first person to ever do that that's it and it blows my mind that people miss those opportunities so yeah. And I I mean, everything I do, even on the hard days, I always tell myself, if you're doing things, every single thing that you do, if you have good intentions for that, and your intentions are always pure, then in the end, it will always turn out good. And if it doesn't, it's not the end. I know that's tacky, but you should always have good intentions. Yeah, for sure. 
you should. And, yeah. And like, one of uh, my favorite quotes is your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Cause you know, Chrissy and I, we love, we love what we do. We love this podcast. We love bringing our artists like you to give out good advice and just spread, just have a good community, you know, and write articles, help up and coming artists reach a wider audience. And so people are always asking us like, how do you monetize on dubstep BI? It's like, we're doing what we love now and we're focusing and crafting our skills. The money will come. Yeah. That's not 100%. what's important right now. Definitely. That's, that's kind of the attitude I take with the label because I'm, I'm just literally pouring in so much money to the label every month to have a staff that I think is like, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to start a label that's just like just me and like call it a label. Like I have five people who essentially work full time on the label and as a three month old label, like I'm just literally burning money to, to keep it going. But I know in the long run that all the artists that I'm signing and releasing and I'm helping, like I, I know that I'm helping to push the music industry forward in the right direction. Cause like for me, um, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a huge advocate of like mental health because oh, yeah. um, back in, God, I, it's hard to remember years, but my demons album was basically dedicated to mental health. Um, I think it was like 2018 where I just kind of hit a wall with myself because I travel, you know, all year and it's, it's crazy. And I hit a wall with like my mental health. And I was just like, all of a sudden was just like so bad. And it took me a long time to sort of figure out myself. Like I quit drinking, I quit um, basically dairy and meat. And I started eating like healthy and I just had to keep like making these like small corrective decisions that put me back on the right path to having a strong mind like before before when I was touring. So I did the whole demons thing, uh, my demon song. And I still end that song at the end of all my shows. And what I did was I put out my personal email. Um, it was like 2018. And I think I've spoken to about 10,000 people privately about mental health from people. I, I literally for the entire year would put out my email and say, Hey, if you're struggling with mental health, email me and we'll talk. And I've probably talked to like 10,000 people. Wow. And that's the shit. Like, I know I hate talking about it because I don't like, I feel like a lot of things that go on on social media are, are meant to look good, to make you look better. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, I, I tell that story because I want people to get better. And I want to push us forward because there's, there's not enough talk about social uh, social media um mental illness within djs and and not just djs but performers and and you know anything actors or writers or whoever i get basically like humans Mm -hmm. but for me it's like i never thought about it because i never went through it and after i'd gone through it i was like well now that i have this platform i would rather use it for that versus turning up and looking cool and you know doing Mm-hmm. doing doing those types of things so it's just been really awesome to talk to people behind the scenes because for me it's like you know say you're a 19 year old um kid I say kid because I'm old now <laughs> but you can't talk to your friends about so, about mental health because they're going to laugh at you 
Mm-hmm. Or judge you, you or talk about exactly. You. And then you can't go to your parents because they're going to get mad at you. Most likely they're going to say, why, what's wrong with you? Why? And no, neither of those two parties are actually going to help you. They're going to make you actually probably worse because mm-hmm. if you get laughed at for having legitimate feelings, then it's going to like kind of mess you up even more. So my idea was like, Hey, I'm a outside party. And what I've learned from mental health is if, if you're struggling with something, if you just say it out loud and you have somebody to say it out loud too, like for mm-hmm. me, like when I, when I'm struggling with something, I'll go to my lady and be like, Hey, you're going to laugh at me probably. And it's going to sound ridiculous, but I need to get it out. And I need somebody to hear it because I need to, I need for myself to hear how ridiculous I sound. And, and literally I talk and she says, okay. And then I hear like, I shouldn't be worried about this or whatever I'm worried about. And then I get over it. And it's, it's crazy the power you have like that. So for me, I was like, Hey, these people email me and I give them my advice and I tell them to stay positive. And I'm, I'm an outside influence on them where at least they can get what they're feeling off their chest and, and not have anyone judge them. Yeah. And I mean, even out of those 10,000 people, if you helped one person, it's worth the minutes and the hours that you've spent talking to all these people. Yeah. I've had multiple people say that they were basically on track to commit suicide and because of our conversation stopped them from doing it. And for me, that's like, you know, that's way more important than anything I've done musically or touring or any of that stuff. So that's cool. It mm-hmm. really is. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that you'll take with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. who knows, you know, I, I, I've actually been starting to think about like, how long am I going to do this? Like, what, what's my plan here? It's been almost a decade. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. So what is your plan since I know that you're managing up and coming artists and so like, what is your goal with that? It's kind of like my exit strategy. I, I want to I, I want to be involved in the music industry still, but I just don't, you know, I, I, I don't want to start rumors or anything, but I just don't know how much longer I can tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, every artist has a life cycle, especially on the road. Yeah, I, I want to, like, I, I love playing shows. I love doing what I do, but it just takes such a mental and physical toll on your body like for me I have lots of issues with my body right now because of dancing with a bear head on my head that weighs 20 pounds for fucking eight years so I, like, I can't even imagine <laughs> but that, that's the you know you laugh about it but like I I have really bad knee I had really I'm I'm you know I, I correct all my things I'm like I have my shoulders are just so fucked right now from doing this every night like literally head banging and doing this every night like you know, for a lot of people, they go to a show once a week and they head bang and they recover. But for me, it's like, fuck, it's like for years, it's four, four or five, six nights a week. So for me, I just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Um, that's why I started the label as well. I thought I still want to be connected with the music industry. So by starting a label, I'm still sort of connected and I can help people. And then if I manage some people, then I can still sort of be connected and Lots of people are like, why don't you become an agent? And I was like, no, I can't be mm. an agent. Yeah. That's just like, well, that's like a 24 hour job. If like anything goes wrong at any show, the agent is getting bitched out. And it's like, it's not even their fault. I have one more question before we move into the lightning round. 
Um, so you recently actually made your identity a little bit more edgy. Talk about what the process was. I'm going to call it a rebrand, um, but you, you got a scarier looking mask. Like, tell us about that. So I can't tell you too much because it, it's part of a big plan that's going to be unveiled in the next like year, maybe two years. Oh. Okay. So, okay. But, but on, on the surface, it, it's me stripping down the brand. Okay. And, and I guess, obviously you strip something down to build it back up. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of what it's about. Like for me, I had the happy costume, the first one, then I did the lights and then I went to the demons, which was the black helmet with the red lights. And that was Mm -hmm. for, for mental health. And then I have this new one, which is sort of like, you know, rest in peace, bear girls. And I kind of wanted that to signify like this whole pandemic um, so we basically went through, I mean, we're still going through it. Right. But it's sort of better, I guess we're playing shows and everything's whatever right now. But so I wanted to sort of signify like, you know, this last year and a half or whatever it was, is that we've, we've sort of changed, you know, we've changed a lot. And I just wanted to strip bear the bear down back to bare bones, I guess. And then mm-hmm really just build them back up and I you'll see that with the next so I have an album I haven't dropped the date but then I, I do a friend's album I did the friend's album last year mm-hmm. it's like all collabs um, we're going to be dropping another friend's album in January with lots of lots of collabs who I can't name maybe spaghetti Ooh. wait no didn't say oh, word just kidding no I mean yes <laughs> Lee. I have, I have another one with Spaghetti, but he, he was he was a uh, collab on the last album. But so I, I have a couple from the last album, but basically it's all new. So so once the album drops, then we're going to announce a tour and it, it'll basically be like sort of like I said, it. all I can say is that we just wanted to strip strip down the bear and then we're going to build them back up. What You can sort of, I guess, use your imagination what that means. And it's funny because I didn't mean for it or it. I, me personally, I don't think it looks anything like sudden deaths. No, um, I never, right, not at all. I, I did not come so, to mind. <laughs> I know, but like, you can't even imagine how many comments I was like, okay, sudden death 2.0. I was like, dude, it looks what? so, so what? Bas- <laughs> I'm, I know I'm so I'm like, so basically I have a bare skeleton that you guys are thinking I'm copying someone else. And it's like, you can't do anything without being called out for coffee. oh my god okay another I'm downside. To, in this video i'm gonna have to put like a side-by-side comparison because like i <sighs> i'm like picturing it in my head and i'm like i cannot see it at all uh-huh. I, I mean it's just basically a skeleton head of a different animal is what it is a little less bulky because he's a i don't know what sort of animal but it has antlers so i'm yeah. assuming it's like a a deer whatever something like that yeah so for me, it's like, okay, well, if you look at the progression of the bear, it's essentially the same helmet as my old bear helmet, but it's just envisioned as if, if it were a skeleton. Mm-hmm. And you were, you've been wearing helmets since before he did that whole thing. But it's not even a, like, you know, like I, I've known Danny since, fuck, before he was sudden death, I feel like. So, but it's not, it's not even about that. Like, it just sucks that, you know, you spend all this time doing something and then you just get called out for copying. It's like, I didn't, it's all yeah. good. But yeah, so, mm-hmm. so the dark, so anyway, to get back to your question, it was just like, I didn't mean it for it to look like it was in a dark place. It was more meant to be like stripped down because 
um, the last like two or three years, I've been releasing a lot of like melodic future mm -hmm. bassy type stuff. And now I'm like fully, I wanted to go back to that skeleton head essentially to signify that like it's all dubstep from here on out. Like it's all bangers, hopefully. Yeah, we love to hear that. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's, that's kind of what it was about. It was like, when you think of bangers and like heavy dubstep, I wanted it to be gritty, mm -hmm. not necessarily dark, you know, like Josh figure who figure DJ, um, mm -hmm. He's probably like one of my closer friends. I, I don't have a lot of like really close DJ friends who I actually consider like friends outside of work. But so Josh and I had this conversation and he's like, cause he's like literally, you know, the OG of like the scary DJ world. Like he does the Halloween thing every year. And so I was like, yeah, I didn't really want it to be dark. I just wanted it to be like gritty and heavy. Cause that's what I think like dubstep is like, you know, mm -hmm. Well, that's that that was the whole idea i never really said that publicly because i haven't really played a lot of shows since i released it yeah things have been kind of low-key this year yeah so i actually canceled like or not canceled but postponed like all my august and some september shows just my lady is um immunocompromised so mm -hmm. i don't want to go go out get it and bring it home to her and i do have a question though so Stryer, one of the artists you're managing, you guys played at the Mission Ballroom show, the Demons VIP collab. Yeah. And I was like, hey, yo, dude, like, are you going to drop this or what? And he said, no. So like, what's the deal with that? We're just going to play it. Just going to play it at We're shows? Yeah. So you're telling me I have to go to either his show or your shows to hear that song live? Yep. See, it works. You're going to have to go. See, we, we got <laughs> That's exactly what we want most wanted track man no, it's, fu it's, it's funny too because he's like i would kill to work with avina with run and so i was like dude just you know make make something and he sent me this thing i was like all right we have to we have to collab on this and make it a vip um originally i was thinking about releasing it with dimok because that's so I, I would have to release it there because that's where the original song is but we decided that um i'm rude service from here on out 100 percent. so can't hey that but creates I'm, a sense of demand for it yeah but he i'm sure he has he hasn't sent it to you i'll send it to you tell she's him, gonna play it just, like 30 times <laughs> tell, tell him tell him i sent it and be like you're a jerk for not sending it to him to please me. tell him that like text him now and be like you're a jerk for not sending this I know, to he's, text, he's been texting me this whole time <laughs> he knows Dude. that you're on the pod <laughs> nah well i have a a text thread with him and Chris who helps me run the label and we, we're just like huge sports fans so all we do is just talk sports oh all god day. you're one of those two sometimes he'll talk to me about sports and I'm like fantasy what yeah I actually got him in a couple of my, of my fan I run a couple of fantasy leagues with like a bunch of my old old friends and he's in several of them already <laughs> that's all we say, do not surprised shout out shout out to chris because he helped us um the night of your show with our ticket giveaway winner he made sure that everything went smoothly and Good. i think he even met our winner down at the box office and made sure that they got in so nice. shout out chris that's good he's a good dude yeah, yeah he was so nice he even approached me at your show in the vip area he made sure that i was good if i needed anything really really awesome guy much respect. yeah and it sucked because i really wanted i, I feel like i um, didn't really get to talk to everybody at the show or at dinner we had we had the pre-dinner and I just didn't realize that it was going to be 30 people there 
And so I tried to like, I know I tried to like do it. And then once the show hit, then I got there and I had to do all these different things to get ready and talk to um, Scott who runs Mm -hmm. AG. I don't know if you guys Campbell. So Scott and I have been good friends. Like, you know, we've worked together and I hadn't, hadn't been in Denver in a while. So ended up having an hour long conversation with him. So I was like, I want to go out and talk to people. And it's just, it was just like every which way. And then um, I don't know if you guys noticed that intro before I started playing the guy who came on and was like, are you guys ready for Bear Grill?" Anyway, so that. Yes, yes. I remember that. So that's my buddy, Josh, and he's the announcer for the Denver Nuggets. Oh, cool. So I had him. Yeah. So so I was like, yo, go hype the crowd. Cause like, I, I, I I don't know if you guys know, but I've done a couple of the Nuggets halftime games. Oh, cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, have seen, I have seen you like on the like on TV. If I'm watching the game on TV, I have seen you in the halftime shows. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's been, he's become a good buddy of mine. So I was like, go hype the crowd up before I start. So it was it was kind of cool. And his girlfriend is actually the like the head news anchor at, at um, God, what's the local sports in Denver? Like um, Channel Seven, Channel Four. Yeah, I can't think of the name with of it. Kyle though. Clark? No, not Kyle. Oh, I can't um, think of the name of it. I haven't been. I wouldn't I know. Watch. It's got to be Nine News. You know, it's one, so his girlfriend is like, she's like the head Nuggets sports reporter. So oh. they become good friends. So I caught up with them. It was like catching up with everybody. And it's just like that whole night just went by way too fast. Yeah. Got to do a double header next time. I'll be back. <laughs> was it was the, uh, September? Maybe, maybe like three or four months I'll be back. Ooh! If you know what I'm talking show? about, if you know what I'm talking oh, about, oh, I think I know. Yeah. Okay, we know now. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's that's the perfect transition into our last section of the interview. We have the lightning round. Oh boy! So, yeah, we've got six questions for you. Um, are these from Instagram? These are not from Instagram. These are just questions that we pulled out of our our vault. Got it. From the FBI labs. Got it. How, how lightning do you want me to answer? So I, mm-hmm. I tend to talk a lot. Like less than 10 seconds for each answer. Maybe oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, oh let's keep it boy. That. 10 seconds. Okay. I'm okay. Ready. I'll start off. Um, who were and are your mentors right now or in the past? Oh man. Excision. Steve Aoki. And now um, I talked to a lo- several people, I guess, like um, Steve Blakely is a good guy, Denver. Mm-hmm. He's, he's an old daddy like I am. Shout out to the firm though. They did our logo. Yeah, they do all of Root Services art. Yeah, really amazing. amazing stuff. I love yeah. seeing their work. Steve's, he's a great dude. <laughs> I miss him. I, when I lived in Denver, I lived two blocks away or my last apartment in Denver was two blocks away from the office. So I go and walk the pup and then end up spending the entire day in his office. Not a bad problem to have. Yep. <laughs> All right. Next question. What was the first show you ever played as Bear Grylls? Seattle, Washington, volume Wednesdays. Direct many- support, direct support for Midas. Ooh, wow. Midas, really? I used to manage Midas. Dang, you used to manage everyone. 
I tell you, when you've been in the industry for, for as long as I have, you got a we, connection to everybody. We need to get you a hat that says dubstep dad. Oh. Yes. Or a mug. <laughs> I'll take the mug. <laughs> okay, cool. We'll have it shipped to you for Christmas. <laughs> um, next question. Fuck, Mary, kill. Excision, oh. bag heady, figure. I'll kill figure because he's a big Halloween guy and he's he's all about that murderish Halloween stuff. Um, fuck excision and I'll marry Spaghetti because he's one of the nicest people that I've ever known and he's Dutch. Mm. And so Dutch Dutch people are very nice. And if I have to go live and he actually lives in Spain, I'll go live in, I get to live in Spain. Ooh, and I get to eat a lot of Spain. Spain. Uh, I believe he lives in Barcelona. Barcelona. Ooh. Yeah, I actually went to Barcelona to visit him. Fuck, like four years ago. So I know I'm only supposed to answer ten seconds, but I used to tour with him back before he even came to the states. So I, once again, see, this is the theme of the the interview. I'm old, <laughs> and I've been around for way too long because I used to tour with him before he had come over to the states wow in europe yep Mm -hmm. i have a picture with him in front of the eiffel tower when i used to do this what is that so i used to i used to cover my face because i was anonymous oh okay Bear, bear grills used to be anonymous before 2016 did you ever play uh boots house yep play boots what twice twice Chrissy and I are dying to go there we say this pretty much on every podcast <laughs> episode we always ask the artists if they've ever played at Boots House and we've been dying to go there <laughs> yeah Cologne Germany is awesome mm-hmm. honestly I, I always I for me I always make friends with all the promoters so I'll go like um, especially Cologne because Cologne is beautiful I'll go a couple of days early and hang out with the guys mm-hmm. yeah well Chrissy and I we went to Tomorrowland in 2018 and wow we bought the global travel package. So it was a train pass, a camping pass and the festival pass. And the train was going from Cologne to uh, boom, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, we stayed in Cologne for like a couple of days, but we were there like on a Monday and Tuesday and we left Wednesday or Thursday. But to I say think least, I basically s- like, huh? I want to say boo house is open, like on random days, not just the weekends. It wasn't open the days that uh, we went, so we couldn't go. I actually got to play. Oh man, I don't remember. I got to play an anniversary party for Boo House. It was either like five years or ten years or whatever the years it was, and it was freaking insane. Wow, I'm gonna have to look that up because I'm curious to hear who else played. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was. I don't remember. I'm was it like so all tired. the Germans, like Virtual Riot and Samplifier? And all no, that? he wasn't there. I, I have, I've, I, it's funny because I've played with Val in, in Europe so many times too before he even moved to the States and before he played in the States. Like he used to play on this little controller and it was like so crazy, <laughs> man. I played a show once in Geneva, Switzerland. I don't know if you guys remember, mm-hmm. but in two, 2016, when, when those terrorist attacks like came and shot up that theater, the Eagles ballroom, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. So I was in Paris for that. Like we were, you were three, there. Yeah. So we were in Paris. It was me, Spaghetti, Virtual Riot, and 
uh, what was his name? I can't think. Of, I, I can't think of the fourth DJ, but he's actually never came over to the States. He, he was big. Ehide. Do you remember Ehide? Mm-hmm. By chance. So anyway, he's, yeah. he's um, from Spain, I believe. So we actually didn't think we were going to play the show because Geneva is really close to Paris. So we were in Paris decided to chill and just take a train over to Geneva when that happened. And we were just all freaking out because we didn't know what was going on in our hotels and they're like shooting people in the streets. So we almost didn't get to go to that show because um, they weren't allowing anyone to cross the border. Mm-hmm. But our agent who was Parisian was able to like sort of finagle us out of France to get to that show. And then backstage virtual right do you know his song preset junkies yeah anyway so <laughs> he made that song backstage and then played it that night what the heck what? that's like, the story fucking, fucking jesus genius. what a mad in, like man. less than an hour <laughs> like it's insane that's like one of one of my favorite virtual riot songs too it's he's like i'm gonna make this and play it. and he did and i was like fuck you <laughs> oh my gosh he's just flexing wow he's legit that's awesome no, that's crazy. Like the, what happened in Paris, I was living in Barcelona at the time and I was just in Paris two days before that bombing happened. Oh, wow. So my mom was obviously freaking out. Cause she was like, I don't know if you're back in Barcelona or you're still in Paris. Like, are you okay? And I was in class all day and like, you know, I didn't really have any service out there studying abroad. So all I had was WhatsApp and Wi-Fi. <laughs> so there was a period of time where I wasn't answering her and she like was oh. freaking out. Which yeah, I don't blame her, everyone's but. everyone's freaking out too when they heard because all my friends and family knew I was in Paris. Because when I go, when I play Europe, I'll stay like three weeks in Paris because it's the best city in the world. Ooh, we could have a whole episode probably talking about your Europe experiences. Literally, <laughs> we could. You know why? Because I've been doing it for almost ten years now. Again, old. there's the theme. Pretty well, much, we love talking about Europe and just <laughs> yeah. traveling in general. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, my lady and I, whenever we would go to Europe and just to play like two shows and then take a month off and go to like Santorini or go anywhere. So cool. So I I play, I've played in the south of France a lot, like Lyon and then Mm -hmm. uh, Montpellier. So I would go and stay like a month in Montpellier in the south of France because I have good friends there now. Uh, It's crazy. I love Europe so much. I do too. I'm kind of obsessed with it. to say the least of us <laughs> i know me too oh. all right a couple more questions for you we'll go with two more so if you could play any venue in the world that you haven't yet which one would it be i feel like you've played a lot so it's i've played everything i know <laughs> i'm trying even booth house <laughs> yeah I'm, let's do the other question and let's get back to you on that one because like I've literally been everywhere so I don't even know what I can answer that one or maybe let's change it up so what's what's your most favorite venue you've ever played and you would totally play there all the time if you could I'll see now you're just going to get me in trouble with Coloradans because <laughs> if I don't say if I don't say Red Rocks everyone's going to hate me not not including Red Rocks uh, outside of the U.S. but outside of the u.s so now I thought, okay <laughs> no, on, but no but for reals though i tell i tell everybody this the gorge and red mm-hmm. rocks are the two best venues in the country and they're different because the gorge has the river and 
and the like mountains or whatever behind it and red rocks is red rock so i always say they're one and one a so i i couldn't tell you which one i like better because they're different but they're both just as great we'll have to check out the gorge oh we haven't had a chance to make it how could you have not gone to base canyon or any any other show that they have there we've been busy yeah we haven't had time to go to base canyon Damn, you better go next year yeah mm-hmm. i think we will you might see your somebody there you know oh really <laughs> hi zombies dryer <laughs> <laughs> all right last question we're gonna wrap this up would you rather play for a large festival crowd or a small intimate crowd small intimate crowd that's always the answer is it yeah i feel like mm-hmm. it is i just love when people are on top of me and around me although it does create some problems like i've had i can't tell you how many drinks i've had spilled on the Ugh. the cdjs and ended oh nights my God. paris happened once and it just you know it's it is I, I like to feel the energy of the crowd and at a festival it's cool but it's just like they're like what a hundred yards or whatever 50 yards away from you and it's hard for me I'm very um, energetic on stage so when when I'm not close to the crowd I I struggle more feeling their energy so it's hard for me to sort of like you know do my thing Mm -hmm. versus like I can feel your sweat and your presence all around me like I go so much more crazy yeah, I think a lot of fans would rather see their favorite artists at a small venue too. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a funny story about getting drinks spilled on DJs. <laughs> it was back in 2016, I want to say, or 17. I was out in Vegas for EDC week and my friends and I, we went out to go see Marshmallow. And I was just a young girl, like being stupid. I got way too drunk because the promoters were giving us just free drinks, you know? Sorry, mom. <laughs> and somehow we ended up in the DJ booth with Marshmallow and I was being like respectable, you know, like I was just hanging out and then they were handing out boxes of pizza, like little small ones. And I was like, hell yeah, pizza. And I was like eating. And then I had a drink and then this really, really drunk girl, like Marshmallow was like a couple feet in front of me, literally just playing in front of this big crowd at the club. And this girl like literally is like, marshmallow and she leans over and she pushes me and I'm wearing like five inch stiletto heels and I literally almost knocked over marshmallow (laughs) and I'm surprised it didn't kick me out they actually kicked out the girl behind me because they saw that she's the one that reached out and like that's good and I was just like so embarrassed after that and I like that was like the quickest I've ever sobered up (laughs) I've had I've had so many of those types of stories man like I was playing once in Vancouver and they only had two CDJs I asked for four, but they only had two. Some dude, he was, his intentions were good. He, he meant to bring me a beer, but he accidentally spilled it on the CDJ. So I literally had one CDJ. So I was like, fucking stop play for the rest of the night. No doubles. <laughs> no transitions. I had to literally stop and then play the next song. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I've been through I've been through it all well we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and I still have so many questions for you so next time you're in Denver hit us up let's go get dinner or something yeah not with 30 people this time 